Hey, everybody, to celebrate our 300th episode, we're throwing a party at the Knitting Factory in Brooklyn. That's going to be March 16th. It's a Friday night, and our special guests are going to be Blake Schwarzenbach from Jawbreaker, Brian Baker, Minor Threat and Bad Religion, and Laura Stevenson. If you think you want to go, there's links to buy tickets on our website, goingofftrack.com. Hey, welcome to Going Off Track. Hey! I'm Jonah. I'm Brad. And we're doing an intro for this episode of the podcast live. What's live right now? <laughs> live. It's always live when we're recording this. Yeah. You just hear it's it It's not later. only live, but I just realized that it's in 3D. Well, we're in 3D. <laughs> the audio isn't in 3D if you're listening to this. Could be, man, if you listen to it the right way. Yeah. <laughs> Sonos is a new 3D... No, but our life is in 3D and it's also live. But yeah. when you get it, it'll be neither of those things. Yes. But your life will be in 3D and live while you're listening to it. Oh, good point. And we all are. I just read, uh, you ever read any Eckhart Tolle? I don't think so. I just read The Power Now and I'm reading his other book right now, uh, New Earth. And he's, his whole thing is like being in the moment, paying attention to your, like, your body, like recognizing the power of the now. And the power of three-dimensionality. Yeah. But just, yeah, being aware of the current moment. It's good. It's yeah. good. Probably listening to a podcast <laughs> is not the best thing for that specific thing, but I mean, come podcast back. that was taped a week ago or two or three. Or three. Uh, yeah. Come back to your body throughout this podcast. Feel your, feel yourself. But yeah, well, so we're sitting in my living room looking at the gray skies of Manhattan, but this was actually taped. The episode was taped at Pulse Music. Pulse Music. Yes. Like most things that we do on this show, um, Stephen Grawalski, awesome yes. engineer. Recent birthday boy. Oh, uh, yeah. Happy birthday, Stavros. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, we taped this at Pulse, and it's a great studio located in Manhattan. Um, beautiful. Everyone, I feel like, comes in there super impressed by just... It sort of is like if you could design your dream New York apartment... Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like guitars on the wall. I never thought about that. That would be a like, great apartment. Nice, like, TV, like a kitchen. Like, it's kind of... Recording studio, recording off, to the, studio. off the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, if you, have a, if you have a project you want to do, they have a great live room. If you want to do some, you know, they have some, some smaller rooms, too. If you want to do voiceover, film stuff, you can do all kinds of stuff there. Very reasonable spot. So, yeah, email Pulse. Please name drop us. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, thank you to Pulse. And thank you to our guests who came to Pulse. Um, this week on the podcast, we had Marissa Paternoster from Screaming Females, and Screaming Females have a new record coming out, their seventh studio album called All at Once. It comes out February 23rd on Don Giovanni Records. Uh, one of the owners of Don Giovanni, it's Sky Joe and this guy Zach, and we talk a little, I don't know if we talked on this podcast, but Zach from Don Giovanni and me grew up together in Chagrin Falls, Ohio. I used to play drum. I used to practice. We did not talk about we that. We didn't talk about this. Yeah, Zach. I used to jam a little. I was friends with his older brother, Ben. And we would like jam. He had a, Ben played drums and we would jam like in Zach's basement. And uh, and what did you jam on? Like hardcore. Nice. There's this band Ascension we were obsessed with from their town. But yeah, I would, I would hang out with Zach's brother. And then when I got a job in like early 2000s alternative press, I hired Zach to be my intern. And now he runs this label that Screaming Females and all these cool bands are on. Life, Laura man. Stevenson, a bunch of friends. Right. It's so, a great label. Yeah, it's a great label. Really, really good label. So check out John v- Don Giovanni. Um, 
Yeah, and Screaming Females, I got introduced to through uh, Lance Bangs, former guest on the podcast. Mm-hmm. He loves them. And uh, yeah, they're a great band. Um, new record is really good. Definitely want to check them out live. And yeah, we get really into New Jersey on this podcast. New Brunswick. Specifically New Brunswick, so, um, but generally Jersey. But generally Jersey. There's a lot of Jersey talk. Yes. And but so, don't worry, it's okay if you don't like Jersey. Yeah, I learned a lot about <laughs> Jersey. Between Marissa and Benny, it's like, it's a good crash course. Yeah, you, it, might have, and, you might have thought you would have heard it all from Benny already, but yeah, no. No. You're going to hear it. You're going to hear it. So yeah, let's get into this podcast with Marissa from Screaming Females. What was your title there? Music editor. Wow. At AP? Yeah. I always forget you were a, you're so long, legit. From 02 to 05, <laughs> so it was a long time ago. I used to love alternative press. Yeah? When I was a kiddo. Yeah. Like the newsprint one? Yeah, in the early aughts when I was like chilling at the mall. Yeah, that's when I was... That's that was when my was magazine, there. That and Spin. I liked, I liked those. I didn't know a lot of the alternative press stuff, and I think it was on the precipice of like kind of becoming... Like a metalcore magazine. Yeah. Yeah. But that, yeah. I didn't know about other magazines like Maximum Rock and Roller. I think I got Punk Planet <clears throat> in some places, but you couldn't get at the mall. And that was the only place I got dropped off. So <laughs> I remember that one, like a really, really big Barnes and Nobles or something started carrying Punk Planet. That's where I got Punk yeah. Planet. Was it the mall? That was like uh, the not one at the mall. Barnes and Noble. Like proper, like alternative magazine you could get at that place they i got some of the last issues there that's why i read that jessica hopper article about like uh how emo bands are like the most sexist (laughs) i was just like because i never thought you know i was 15 yeah i never thought about it and of course being from new jersey i was just like yeah i can love brand new (laughs) and i never like thought about any of the like lyrical and like social implications and i was like Oh man! Yeah. <laughs> like I read the article, and I was like, "Those guys suck." It's hard. <laughs> what I, was like? How did you kind of get from like that stage in your life into getting more involved with like more DIY type stuff? How were you exposed to that? I think it just all happened <clears throat> at the same time, really, is because like uh, I grew up in Elizabeth, New Jersey, and so like there weren't any other people who were in my neighborhood that I could hang out with, and you know do my homework with or whatever, like go on aim with, except for the people who live nearby. And like, they were all into quote unquote, like emo or whatever. So like my best buds in high school, like taking back Sunday and brand new and Coheen and Cambria and stuff. And so those are the shows that I would go to. Um, and it wasn't really my thing, but I kind of didn't care because I just wanted to hang out with other people who liked guitar driven music, I guess. Um, and I wound up after, you know, you know, when you're a teenager, you just kind of like, it's easier for you to like indoctrinate yourself into a scene than it is when you're an adult because you want to belong really badly. You're almost looking for it. Yeah. So like, you know, I was looking for somewhere to belong and I wanted to be like a part of something and, and I could assume, I mean, like, uh, I, can say it for you since it's probably cheesy for you to say it but people who don't know who aren't from new jersey like elizabeth is a pretty like it's a tough town yeah we can safely say that you know what i mean and there's probably a small group of people there that are listening to music like that yeah nobody was like actively listening to music like as a 
aside from like a casual, you know, a casual listener, somebody who listens to the radio, absolutely, we're all teenagers. Everybody was listening to Hot 97, sure. Z100 or whatever, and just being like, yeah, these are the songs that I like. But like being a music fan and like kind of like going to shows and buying t-shirts and going out and buying records, like that was not normal. Right. Um. So I had like four four-ish friends who were like into doing that stuff and so i didn't care what they listened to i just wanted to like hang out with them and they didn't care what i listened to they just wanted to hang out with me and we would share the music that we like together and like it's it's nice to reflect on that stuff because we really never um would judge each other we would just kind of take it all in and be like and really try it out you know so I wound up becoming a fan of, like, music that I probably wouldn't have <laughs> yeah, otherwise if sure. I had grown up in, like, maybe, like, a more metropolitan area, right. like, you know, New York proper or whatever, if we're going to go all the way out to San Francisco or something. It's like, I was really into Kill Rock Stars and Chainsaw Records, and, like, I loved Bikini Kill and Bratmobile, and I loved Team Drash, and, like, those were the albums I was listening to. But then when I was chilling with my friends, we were listening to, like, like I said, like, Thursday and Brand New, and I was just like, this is is also dope. (laughs) Like, I liked it, I guess. I feel like there's a connection. I mean, through that stuff in some ways. They're like, both alternative, you know what I mean? Like, it's guitar driven music, you know? Scene. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's... like, I wouldn't say that, uh, that those emo, quote unquote, emo bands existed within my value system. Right. right. Let's, mind you, I was a teenager, so I didn't really have much of a value system beyond my head being completely up my ass. A and developing like, value system. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I just wanted to hang out with other people who like rock music. Yeah, were you so, playing by that time? Um, I started playing when I was fourteen, and I don't think I really—I I think I was like weirdly closeted about it until I was like fifteen or sixteen. So I didn't start telling people that I was playing music until I was like a year later after I started playing guitar, and I um, I was like recording stuff. On my dad's work computer when he would come home from work, he had like nice. one so of those. writing a little bit. What it, I is the thing is like I couldn't. I didn't really know how to play that well, and also I, th- I just thought that I was getting into punk. So like, I was kind of like, well, if Huggy Bear can write a song that's like three chords, then I I could probably do it too, and. Maybe because it was kind of like the advent of like the internet being introduced into everybody's home, but there was just, it seemed like, and you know, hindsight is just like so rose colored and flowery. It just seems like there was this deluge of like free software that was just available to me. Hmm. I don't know if that's true or not. I'm just, it seemed I think like. It's true it. of the internet at that time. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially for There's teenagers, some, man. Yeah, There's and so, a lot of free stuff. Yeah. I think around. I had. A little more uh, Wild West. Yeah, I think. Yeah. yeah, I think I had Audacity, which was like a free <laughs> software program, and uh, I put that on his computer, and I just like kind of went to town or whatever. Uh, and I really wanted to be in a band, but 
you know, the there weren't a lot of bands in my high school. I think one was like a ska band. And there was like a new metal band in my high school. E Town Concrete had been it had passed through by then. It wasn't E Town. They, they had passed. They through. were yeah. They were a little yeah. before my time, but yeah. much respect to E Town Concrete <laughs> Again, and everything Jonah, that they accomplished. Do you know the town she's from is. Elizabeth E Town Concrete. I did not know or that. Or Eastwick. <laughs> yeah. Wow. You so. like mandibles? Because it's a good song. Oh my god. <laughs> we were just talking <laughs> with about with no it. boot, with no loot to boot. Is that the you the know line? Joe Steinhardt? Yeah. Yes. He loves the album after whatever that album is. <laughs> I don't know that enough about E Town Concrete, yeah. but I didn't keep up too much. Too they they tried to fight me once. Oh, well they I'm didn't sorry. try to. They would have tried to fight me if I had like responded in the way they wouldn't have liked. But I'm I'm glad that you didn't fight them because no. they would have. <laughs> what and it was not any. Good. No offense, but they would have. Oh, they would have killed your butt. Yeah. Anthony was like 17. <laughs> I was like 16. But he was like a man, and yeah, I was not. <laughs> I think that yeah. one. So my dad, um, who's recently retired, and a lovely man, um, was a principal for my oh. entire life, and he was a principal in Cranford, New Jersey, and I believe that one of the members of Eton Concrete would give um like uh he would have little assemblies. Oh really? For my yeah, because I I, va- I have a vague huh. memory of going to one of the music assemblies that my dad had for his kids. They were like pre K to one is a small school. Yeah, yeah. Um and uh I have a vague memory of, of my dad mentioning Eton Concrete and me thinking, wow, it's really weird those words came out of my father's mouth. Yeah. And the, the guitar player from Eton Concrete, huh. I think, gave the assembly, and he was a lovely, lovely person. Was it Kenny? I, Kenny I cannot E-Town? remember. I was in college, so I was huh. really, like I mentioned, my head was really right all the way up my butt. And to, to me, none of them had last names. They're, all their last names were E-Town. Yeah. It was Anthony E-Town, <laughs> Kenny so E-Town. That's a Jersey thing? That's just it's a punk it thing. Yeah, it's yeah. a punk thing. But it... Half I, of my phone doesn't have real last names. Me either. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like this when the band name doesn't really fit as a last name, but people do it anyway. Yeah. There was, I was doing an interview with this band, Push Too Far. Remember them? <laughs> and the singer, they kept calling him Todd Too Far. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, that sounded like a cool sound. It's like, don't call him that. <laughs> yeah. My first band was called Dilemma. And there's like a whole group of people in Central Jersey who call me Ben Lemma. Where are you from? <laughs> I'm from Somerville. Cool, very cool. I've driven through. I've never spent. Good town. Yeah. But then spent a lot of time in New Brunswick. You know what happened today? Our new governor. Is it NJ related? It is. Yeah. And it's hot button. Oh my God. Tell me. Breaking news. news, So today is a big day anyway because Chris Christie is out. This is his official last day in office piece, Chris Christie, no mas, which is nice. Oh my God. My father must be so happy. I haven't. I haven't looked at the news today. Yeah. I gotta admit, you're I usually woke better up off. And drove and today was a nice of... day for once because yeah, of this. good riddance. Christy was out. I saw some great memes of that like beach shot uh, with him like holding lots of balloons. You know what? Like, I know that that was a terrible thing. But I did you expect it. anything less? It. No. <laughs> We needed it. I also love the, the photoshops of his uh, softball yeah. playing. Dude, we I, needed I the mean. social capital. It was our windsurfing photo. It was like everything. Him, on the, dude, him on the steps of the minor threat house. Oh, so <laughs> oh my God. How do you guys have access to so many <laughs> NJ Pernit memes that aren't being forwarded to me? Jonah, oh, we, have, we have more. To, well, I want to get to this first. Okay, we can so, talk about what Jonah thinks about New Jersey in a so, minute. 
But so so and then today Phil Murphy is mm-hmm. our new governor, gets I don't know, sworn in or whatever happens today. And in his first address recognizes central Jersey as a location. Which this is a big to the this people is a big deal. not in this room. This is a big this deal is a huge and a deal. hot button issue. Yeah. People from Central Jersey have basically been shunned yeah. by North and South Jersey for hundreds just not of years. Existing. I mean, I yeah, assume, like you know, we could say two hundreds yeah, of years. The existence of New Jersey, <laughs> two hundred. I'd say like somewhere post Civil War, the lines probably got drawn, <laughs> and and there's a very like particular part of New Jersey that geographically is not really central, but does represent Central Jersey, and. Because, I mean, if you go geographically, it's, like, kind of down south, which, like... I've never thought about central. it geographically. I've always been, like, the hub city is the hub city. And it's and central Jersey that. as fuck. Like, yeah. And for someone from the New Brunswick area, basically, it's, like, Newark is North Jersey, Trenton is South Jersey, mm-hmm. then there's, like, the beach, and then nothing. And then there's, like, So, but anyway... <laughs> That's people, how I think of it. Wow, I'm glad we're like people on the love same. to give Central Jersey people shit. <laughs> and today, our new governor, who is is starting in a good way. I know I voted. He, yeah, I think for him maybe. I, I called my friend and I was I like, I "Who is the one who will help me get Christy out Central the most?" Jersey. He didn't run on that platform, <laughs> even though he, he would have done well. Yeah. He I legally all... am a Jersey resident. Huh? Don't tell the. Man, but I'm legally a Jersey <laughs> resident, oh. so I was, I I always am just like dad. <laughs> who do I vote for? Yeah. He's like Bob, and I'm like cool. <laughs> cool, Bob's good. <laughs> vote. <laughs> so this is a big deal. You know what's going yeah. on? Yeah. So you consider yourself central, right? No, from Elizabeth. Well, E-town from Elizabeth, I consider north? myself a North Jersey person, okay. but definitely on the cusp of being in between central and north, like. A 30-minute drive, even less. If okay. 15, if I wound up in Edison, I'd be like, I'm in Central Jersey. Oh, yeah. You know? Edison is Central Jersey. Yeah, totally. Or even if I was in, like, Island, I'd be like, hmm, getting close to Central Jersey right now. Like That's Central to me. We're moving, yeah, close yeah. to the middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like where New Jersey, like, tucks in a little bit. Where yeah, it's like, it, ooh, it's like... It's like our thin like waistline yeah, is the Central like the Jersey. Jersey. Yeah, or yeah, not yeah. the hip, but the waistline of New Jersey. It's like, this is Central. I never thought about dividing it into... And well, I have thought about dividing it into like act- an actual grid, but obviously I haven't done that because maybe not so obviously. But there's also haven't a, done that. There's a cultural <laughs> grid, you know, because For like sure. North Jersey and South Jersey culture is quite different. Yeah, than Central I Jersey mean, culture. I think a lot of it has to do with like how you and your friends kind of migrate. Um, as someone from New Jersey, it's like. For the most part, if you are interested in somehow participating in arts and and culture or like music and art or like whatever, whatever, however you want to call it, it's like you're probably going to migrate to one of the two big cities where these things take kind of like, well, where you will have more job opportunities. Sure. So um, when I was a kid, you know, my dream was to always move to New York because that was like if you said I was going to the city right you'd go to New York yeah when I was a kid if you were like I'm going to the city you wouldn't be like oh I'm going to Philadelphia it's no. two hours <laughs> no, away no, no, it's no, like no. no I'm getting on the train and yeah. I'm gonna take a seven minute right. train ride to New York but then when I went to Rutgers and I met 
all my my friends in in New Brunswick, a lot of people were like, "Oh, you know, I'm from Cherry, Cherry Hill, like Philadelphia's." Yeah, tw- you know, twenty minutes away in a car, and I was just like, "I've never been to Philadelphia," which is <laughs> nuts because it's not far away at all. But it's so far away from the reality of living up there. Yeah, it is. It's got nothing to do with it. So it wasn't until my freshman year of college, I think, I ever had been in that city. And so now- that's how you made it down to New Brunswick was Rutgers. Yeah, is that how all you guys met? Yeah, well, I knew Mike, the, our bass player, when um, I for most of my life. I mean, I. Went to school with him my whole life, and then we started hanging out in high school. Um, we ate lunch together, and nice. I, he was uh, two grades below me, so we never had class together. But I knew he was into like rock and roll and stuff because he had pins and long hair. And so when he came to our high school, like uh, me and my buddies were kind of obsessed with him, like following him around, uh, <laughs> and just be like, hey. The kid with hair and like he likes you know uh, Brian Jones Home Massacre so he must be like you know he, maybe he wants to hang out with us. Uh, his older brother was also someone that I knew who was also into rock and roll. So I was you know creating like a web in my mind of cool people I wanted to like hang out with desperately. So um, I was I was uh, I used to pick up actually i didn't drive mike to school maybe sometimes i did trying to think anyway uh i met mike in high school we started a band uh that was not meant for this world what was it called we were called surgery on tv and it was like we're kind of like a jam (laughs) kind of a jam band uh um, it was like me and a bunch of neighborhood kids, which you can imagine Elizabeth was pretty weird. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so our drummer really liked Kitty and Hope's Fall. Oh, nice. <laughs> You're the only person in the world. <laughs> no really one remembers Hope's Fall. Yeah. Two periods. Yeah. Yeah. I did. I did. I don't know what they sound Hope's like. Fall. I did. They were like a Christian metalcore band. Damn. They were part of that scene, but were they Christian in particular? I'm pretty sure they were. Oh no, and Kitty, I forgot about too. Well, Kitty, Kitty, I can, I'll get behind. Yeah, to a degree. Yeah, they're pretty heavy. Yeah, I don't really. And it's cool. I riffy. mean, they're cool. It's like all ladies in a hundred and ten percent male dominated scene. Like that's <laughs> For cool. Sure. Yeah, it's bold. So I can definitely get behind Kitty. Hope's Fall, I don't know anything about, but I'm pretty sure they were a Christian metalcore band. Um, but uh, she, she really liked that band. And wanted to kind of be in like a heavier band. And then our, we had a keyboard player uh, who was the kid I drove to school every day. Hmm. My neighbor, Chris. And he played um, keyboard and wound up being an, an amazing musician. And he he does music therapy now and is a, a pianist. But um, he, his favorite bands were like Modesky, Martin, and Wood, and Fish. And, and Mike and I really like Pavement and like Dandy Warhols and pixies and stuff so there was just like this crazy broad (laughs) like (laughs) pool of influences and i think that like every single time you know we practice every week uh it wasn't like we didn't necessarily fight but it was just like so stressful (laughs) because i wanted we all wanted everyone to feel like satisfied and like appeased with what they were doing and i think we wound up playing like 10 shows which is a lot for a band that only lasted six months yeah and that's basically, I mean, I've been in other bands since, but before Screaming Females, that was my only 
other band. Um, and so when I met Jared at Rutgers and he was like, oh, I play drums. I was like, I know a really good bass player. And it was Mike. Because even though we weren't in a band anymore, we still hung out all the time. Yeah. Well, that's so. what I was wondering too. And I was like, I mean, I, I always knew you guys as a New Brunswick band, but often New Brunswick bands aren't from New Brunswick. And, you know, and the Rutgers thing is like the glue. Yeah. Well, like we all we there. all did live there. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, grow up there, I guess. Yeah. I don't know a lot of people who grew up in New Brunswick, the only, to be honest with you. I know two yeah. who actually play music that grew up there. Doc and Dallas from God Forbid. And this guy, Rocky Cantonese. What band is... He was, he was yeah. a singer of Let Me Run for a while. Oh, I remember now, them. And then he plays solo. We yeah. played with them at a, like a... Like a game, like a gaming front, like a brick and mortar game store. Oh, the one, the only game in town. Yeah, that's yeah. what it was called. That was we one. Of, that was there. one of Gaslight's first shows. Was that the only game in town? Really? Yeah, yeah. It was next to a place called Candyland Crafts, which was where you had birthday parties when I was a kid. You got to make chocolate molds with your friends, and they put great. they'd put your name on the door. That Happy fantastic. birthday, Ben. Yeah, <laughs> I just remember that we showed up and they, I think they were playing Magic or... I think it was a Warcraft store. It, well, there was like a back room for gaming. Right. So there yeah. were just tables and cards. So yeah, they yeah. could have been playing Magic or whatever. But uh, who whoever was in charge of the show was like, you guys got to clear the room. And they were all really mad and I felt really <laughs> bad about it. Oh, no. I was like, no, finish your... Th- Whatever you guys while, are doing. So. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know either. Yeah. <laughs> I just didn't want to be a jerk. Yeah. But um, I no. remember those guys, yeah. I never what? got into the card games. Me neither. Mike and Jarrett love playing Magic. Yeah. Gathering. Yeah. It seems fun. It does seem really fun, Um, but I don't have like a competitive bone in my whole bod. <laughs> I know that my bod's really small, so like <laughs> it's not really that surprising, but I just like, I want to be into it because I want to have fun more fun with my friends yeah but i don't care enough about winning or losing to try uh, at any sport or card game or anything except for maybe playing a show which isn't a contest (laughs) no it's not are you competitive with other bands yes (laughs) (laughs) it's fair so yeah just a little but like a little bit it's it's on like a it's on a gradient and it's low do you think that mentality though is like part of what kind of shaped the arc of your guy's career a little bit. Like it seems like you're consistently like, like cool with what's going on and the momentum you have and have never felt the need to like make some kind of jump. I know you've had plenty of opportunities, I'm sure to like do different things. And I know part of that is because of like, no, it's not true. Oh, I had just assumed because you guys are so good. A lot of oh, thank you. A lot of people do, but I so, mean, and that's great. But you know, we so just been here. Yeah, so that's not part of it. Okay. <laughs> We're just in here, just doing just the thing. doing your thing. It's fine. Because I had, I did. I honestly had assumed like I'm seeing like everything. And Joe's an awesome dude. Don Giovanni's an awesome label. I had just assumed it was like fierce loyalty that kept you guys there. Because I had just assumed that, like, tons of things had come your way. I mean, I think that I do feel fiercely loyal to Joe and Don Giovanni Records. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, you know, not a lot of things have come our way, which 
it's great because then I don't have to entertain their bullshit. Yeah. And it's like, for the most part, I think that collectively we'd be really surprised if there was another label or some kind of organization that could offer us something that is like fulfilling or satisfying as like making records and like working with our friend that we that we love you know like it's sure it's family at this point it's like and that's so jersey but it's like it's beyond uh it's beyond just a working relationship these are these are people that like take care of me when i'm having a hard time or like you know like fly to new jersey if i need them it's it's so and i i don't know if like any of us are gonna or collectively we're gonna be able to find like another organization who wants to or like is willing to do that or would even like entertain the idea and we're not we're not in it for the stuff that like a lot of other i guess labels value like we're not in it for monetary gain we want to be like a band for for as long as we're alive like we we're in it for sustainability and yeah sure and community and like friendship and yeah, we need money to live. We're not yeah, yeah. stupid. <laughs> we understand that like we need to eat and pay rent and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. And uh-huh. Joe gets that too. And Don Giovanni gets that too. But like sure. we're definitely not trying to like be part of the hype machine. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's kind of lame. And if for some reason like some wave happened where like you guys started getting like crazy offers, is there like a lot... Um, like ethically that would hold you guys back from doing something like that? Oh, for sure. I mean, like, I think that we all share a really similar moral compass. Like I'm, I'm not trying to profit off of other people's suffering and I hope that I'm smart enough and informed enough to understand where, um, like what industries kind of like profit off of that suffering and like major labels they aren't just machines that make money. Like there are machines that profit off of people being like hurt and, and I don't, I just don't want to be a part of it. Like there's no facet of my being that wants to be incorporated in that kind of machine. And so, um, I've been so lucky to be able to play music for a living and I already feel so like stoked that I get to do that. Or it's just like, why <laughs> why would I ever ask for anything more? Um especially at the sake of like another person's like humanity and existence. It's just awesome. Totally gross. Uh you can, you can be la- you know, you can be loyal to a small label and you know Yeah. Like I mean, depending on the label, if they're willing to keep up with you for sure. It's, it's really easy to keep up with us. I think if you don't have I'm to getting jump old. ship. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you know, well, you wouldn't know, I, an, a very extremely out of press 7-inch that maybe like 50 or 100 sold of was my band who was Don Giovanni number two. It was a 7-inch called Full, a band called Full Circle Swing. Oh. Yeah. With the periods? Yeah, with the periods. Yeah. I read the book. That was my group. Oh, cool. Nice so we to meet were you. technically label mates <laughs> at one point. No, we are label mates. Well, we're not a group anymore. So what? This was. You're in the catalog. This is the late 90s. I never even knew about this band, Benny. 
This was it's all lowercase. Yeah. And there were periods because like Hope's Fall. Yeah. <laughs> were was, you influenced by Hope's Fall? It was post <laughs> post Yell Boy no. pre the low end theory. And for me. pre Hope's Fall. Okay. Yeah, pre Hope's Fall. Totally. Yeah, like they were ahead of the curve nice. in terms of I never have heard it. Font. But I've read about it yeah. in uh that's the last time I talked to Joe. He was redoing a website and he needed a couple words about the group. Does he still have some seven inches? I think he's probably got plenty. I mean, I'm sure he pressed? has his. Huh? How many were pressed? Well, it was an interesting thing. We never actually got to play a show with him. I know I don't want to turn this into uh, a history about full circle swing because there's about... <laughs> a lot of people have been writing and asking. Did you, read, did you read the book, New Brunswick Goodbye? Oh, yeah. There's yeah. a lot about full circle swing. Well, yeah, there. that's because Ronan... I feel like Ronan's book you're talking about. Yeah, yeah but yeah. I feel like I, your band name, your bit, your group's name was in the. Did he mention Full Circle Swing? There? Absolutely, he definitely mentioned Low End Theory. I remember your, that. Your band was definitely in that book. He mentioned me by name once in that book. It felt nice. I don't remember. Just because of a show I put on. It was probably sick. It was fun. Yeah. Is that an Elk Lodge? You know how that is. The one on uh, by Mason Chris. No, not that one. That one was cool though. Um, they wouldn't let us do It was shows. in Manville, New Jersey. Ah, right. That's where I did my Elks shows. Cool. By the time I was in New Brunswick, I was firmly, firmly drunk in the basements. Yeah. yeah. You can be very drunk at an Elks Lodge. Uh, innumerable amount of men, amounts of men have proven that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> che- and I me. Mean, well, that's usually the impetus for becoming an Elk. Yeah. Or a Knights of they're Columbus like, or something. Yeah, they're like, cheap. the beer's the dollar, yeah. and you're yeah. like, sign me up. <laughs> I learned... A lot of like what I should know about life and things not to do in life from hanging out with a lot of drunk elks in Manville, New Jersey. <laughs> like that was what did you opening. pick up? What was some some facts? Well, I mean, <laughs> if there's anything I sadly became numb to, it was like a general sheen of horrible racism. Because that yeah. just is like <laughs> overwhelming in a scenario like that. So when you're me, who is a chubby little Jewish kid with like nine <laughs> earrings and long hair. I was going to say and, me too, except for the earrings. And like super <laughs> like like liberal, like intellectually kind of parents yes, who girl. are hanging out at this Elks Lodge. Like, you're like, yeah, I don't like it. But also <laughs> from a young age, I at least... You know, that's the thing I appreciate about my parents' education is, like, you could see the big picture enough to know, like, it doesn't stop and start there. You know what I mean? Like, like from a young age, like, I think I had an idea of, like, why they were racist and maybe in my heart, like, felt like I could convince them not to be. Like, I actually felt that at a young age that I knew they were wrong. And I was, like, okay to try to talk about them being wrong about it. And that I give to, like, my parents 100%. Like, Yeah. You know. I, I didn't have any of that experience, but I feel like if I did, I wouldn't be able to contextualize it. And I was very combative and angry. So there's no way I would have ever lasted a second in there. <laughs> I would have, like, lost my shit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, sure. it was it was a weird situation I, to be put in as a kid. And I also, <laughs> to be like, honest, I probably still would. <laughs> I was like, please don't cancel my show. Yeah, too. That was part of it. it was like, I really need your space. <laughs> yeah, I didn't start throwing shows until. I mean, I didn't start going to shows until I was a sophomore in college because I didn't know where they were. Right. Um, and then when I met Jarrett, he we went to see the Ergs. 
Nice. At, um, Where was that? It was at the parlor on Hamilton Street. Mm-hmm. So Jarrett took Mike and I to see the Ergs. I don't know who else played, but um, the parlor basement probably fit maximum 50 people in a very uncomfortable, terrible way. And I, you know, I'd been looking for that my whole life or my whole young adult life. Like I wanted to be part of punk and, and then I found it. And, and when I walked down into the basement, I had like this crazy panic attack and I was just like, Oh my God, like this is, this is it. And this is so terrible. I hate all these people are like (laughs) touching my shoulders and body and they're sweating. And I just like, I don't belong here. I'm such a loser. This is, this is not, I'm just, I'm not cool enough for this. And then I, I think I hid in the garage the whole time at the parlor. And then we played our first show like short, pretty shortly thereafter, probably a couple months or whatever. Um, and we played with the measure and, um, nice. oh geez, who else? I can't remember. We played with the measure and I just remember everyone was like, we don't want to put a fifth band on this bill. Which I totally understand, <laughs> uh, but it wound up going really well. And where was that show? It was at the parlor. Parlor as well. Yeah, um, because Jarrett was friends with a band called Plastic East, which was from New Brunswick, and another band called the Atomic Missiles that were from New Brunswick. And so he kind of had an in with the house, um, and the guy who ran a lot of the shows there, Fishman. Uh-huh. And so uh, we kind of begged. Like, yeah. can we just open the show? We'll play for like ten minutes or whatever. We'll be really fast. Uh, so we so so we played, and I th- I feel like once I had like some kind of uh, semblance of being like I belong here, like I am adding something to our to our community, then I didn't feel as afraid. But I mean, even now when I go to shows, I'm still just there's so much anxiety. Yeah, you go to a lot of shows <laughs> yeah. now, or is it? It depends. I mean, now I kind of like, I'm really pragmatic in the shows that I go to. I think that like social media has really damaged my social skills Mm. where it's just like, I have a really hard time going out and not feeling like a total mess and inferring things about people that like, you just don't meet people in the same way anymore. Mm. It's so weird. It's like. I could have looked at a million pictures of you on the internet and known everything about your life prior to actually ever, like, being around you. Totally. Mm. You know? And so it's it's weird. it's hard to say because I feel like when I was a teenager, we didn't have that access to people's personas. And now I have this crazy access to, like, everybody and what they're doing every day and their lives and they're self-documenting. And I feel like in a lot of ways maybe that will result in some really great art and some films or or music or whatever but mostly it just feels so damaging and i i uh it really makes it hard for me to want to like go out and discover things um but um so i live in philadelphia now uh i very mindfully do not use facebook so i don't really know when stuff is happening yeah because if i ever had a facebook i would become addicted to it 
with such rapidity it would make like your mind explode yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i've never had one like it's just i'm, never, I'm really. scared of it like well same here High yeah. five. really <laughs> I, I, I had it i had it for a second when it was just for students yeah uh and i never looked at it and then i deleted it uh so it is saying i never had it is not true i did have one uh did i have it for more than a couple months no Probably a couple weeks. I got rid of mine maybe like six months ago. You did? Yeah, yeah. Maybe something like that. How does it feel? Well, I'll tell you how it feels. Like, first of all, I got rid of it and came back a couple times. And you get this email being like, welcome back. And it's like the most depressing email to get. It's like Facebook's like, you're back. And you're just like, ugh. And then I had all this anxiety because sort of like what you're saying. I was like, I'm going to miss out. I'm being invited to things. And then I realized the stuff I get invited to on there is like nothing important. It's like it's like a DJ night of someone I barely know. Like I feel like if it's like a real event, someone's gonna like email me or something. I did miss all of my high school reunions. There have been like three already yeah, that I missed. But that site it all got organized that's, on Facebook. That site also <laughs> makes go- I was morbidly curious to go. <laughs> Benny, Girl, that's don't worry. A- <laughs> I was. I was like you know, I I feel like especially like touring and doing stuff like that and and I'm the same as you, like I, I do I, I give off a very extroverted thing, but like in those situations, like I'm fucking scared shitless. Yeah, like I want to walk into a place. So terrifying. I need like a drink right off the bat, even to just like. But they usually have an open bar at those. Begin so to, to do this, and um, but it's like oh my god, I lost my train of thought. You're gonna have to reunions. No, I, reunions. I, oh, the reunions. You should. I've yeah, always, yeah. It's too bad because I've always encouraged. No, so especially. He, so he, here's where I was getting. To I was like, in my high school reunion yeah. because of the touring and stuff like that. I feel like. I feel like I've been watching people my entire life, right? Like, yeah, but you don't know like them the anymore. Like the outside looking in, and and because of it, like humans have become a bit of like an experiment to me, and I feel like I'm constantly watching and observing the human condition <laughs> and all these freakishly weird things interacting with each other in the most bizarre ways that make no sense to me. And I do. I watch people like that scene in Mean Girls, like, like where they're all just like clawing at each other like monkeys and stuff. And <laughs> but that's uh, that's like what I was hoping to discover for my reunion is like, when do you have a scientific experiment, basically, where you have a a, a group of people that you were so saw every day for like many, many years and then you have a straight 15 year break and you get to observe them in their in their habitat 15 years later yeah. and what happens I to think them. that's why like curious. I, I love my bandmates so much and with like and, and Joe and Don Giovanni records with such like crazy loyalty was because it is a mirror to like what I experienced in high school whereas like before we we're kind of like observing everybody that we knew peripherally from our computer that we had these real life relationships with people that we saw every day and right. we traveled with every day and we endured hardship with every day where it's like the people that I grew up with who went to high school with me, like they, you know, they knew about like my family and like the, the kind of like difficulties that I endured. And then like my bandmates are also privy to the same thing. And then there's this whole other world of people who exist peripherally mm. who don't really who aren't really privy to that. It doesn't make them any less important. But the internet has made it kind of bizarre in a way that like I feel like I know superficially what everybody is up to, 
but I don't actually know what they're up to. I think the problem is <laughs> inherent in what you just said, too, because you were like, not that it makes them any less important. I think it's okay to be like, like, no offense to you, you are less important to my life. Like, I, I do think there's like some safety and, and a feeling of like, I felt a great feeling of relief when I literally like chose the 10 people in my life I'm going to invest my actual real time and energy into and they get everything and everything that's left over all these other people can have. But it felt really relieving and like a weight off my shoulders when I decided that. I feel like that just starts to come with age. Yeah. You're just like, I don't have time for anyone's bullshit. Yeah. Like... Not in not in a negative way. Like no, it is it's a negative a way. That's thing. what I'm saying. It, it's, it's healthy. healthy. No, it's, it's not like, negative. It's just like you're great. gonna you're gonna notice who isn't invested in having a relationship with you, and you're gonna notice who's who's not so much invested. And that doesn't make them a bad person. It just means that like they're doing other stuff, and yeah. that's totally cool. Um. Uh. But yeah, I I'm. I definitely engage in social media a lot because of band stuff. Yeah. Um, and so it just puts this really weird magnifying glass on, on people that I don't actually interact with on a day-to-day basis. And it's, it's so bizarre to just think about being a teenager and not having access to that stuff and doing things like sitting in the hallway and staring at the wall. Yeah. Yeah. Where like, I feel like a lot of my, good ideas came from sure. and a lot of really helpful processing totally. happened or whatever and like do i ever sit in the hallway and stare at a wall anymore people would look at me and be like what's wrong with that crazy yeah. girl yeah. <laughs> who's sitting in the hallway staring <laughs> at the wall and it's just like it wasn't that long ago no, it was that like we not long ago at all no, yeah, no and i find myself like peeing and i'm like oh wait like i should be doing something yeah (laughs) no like you should have both hands yeah yeah Yeah, just doing the thing like make aim like it's (laughs) you know focus on not missing this thing i don't even have to aim so i'm just sitting there scrolling like it's crazy you could be on an ipad but it's so true i mean but it's real it's like you know i'm raising like little i have two little kids right now and there is like a great debate and back and forth and like parenting communities on how much you know, television, iPads, and phones you should expose kids to. And part of it is what happens when a kid is bored is good. Yeah, and a I kid mean, should I grew know up, how to be bored and what to do when they're bored. It's been proven that boredom is positive for creativity. Yeah. And, 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 like, as somebody that's got a kids a little bit older than yours, keep them the fuck off the screens for as yeah. long as you can. Yeah. Honestly, as, dude, it's a fucking horror story what happens to kids on screen. As an only child. Wait, what, what's the fallout? <laughs> Dude, now I need to know. They turn into monsters. What happened to your children? This is, dude, no. this is a plot of Gremlins. <laughs> yeah, what's going on? Is it, is it holiday? Dude, things? it's a thing. <laughs> it is. He gave him an iPhone after midnight. <laughs> that's, not, that's not a holiday theme. That's just Mogwai themed. <laughs> I think We're talking Gremlins. about Chris, oh, yeah. the Christmas theme. That's a holiday picture. <laughs> Gremlins. Ma- Mogwai equals holiday. I think so. You're probably I associate right. associate a Mogwai. He's I a just Christmas watched, gift. I just watched Gremlins too, so we can like talk How about well? it. Oh forever. my God, I love Gremlins. Gremlins too. Dude, the scientist gremlin. Vegetable gremlin. <laughs> so They're cool. just like, we made a tomato and it's really good yeah. for shipping. And then all of a sudden a gremlin's like, I got a vegetable face. Yeah. Right. And you're like, why? 
And they're like, we're not going to tell you. Just go with it. And I'm like, okay, I'm here for the ride. I need more throw <laughs> yeah. pillows. And just, like, grip onto those. And they're what's fine. the weird inherent nature in Gremlins that, like, Spike died in the first one and, like, a new Spike came back in I the mean, second one, you know? You gotta, Spike you know. never dies? Spike never That's dies. That's Gremlins 3. <laughs> I actually, yeah, I have a belly rocker that says that. <laughs> Spike never dies. Um, Marissa, we have a segment on this show called Mystery Friend. Mystery Friend. Who did you piss on? Who did you offend? Were you late to the key? Did you show up at the end? Put on your thinking caps. It's your mystery friend. Were we... Con- well, Benny, actually, you explain it really well. Well, typically, <laughs> we find a story from a person that you intimately know... They, well, it's not necessarily wait, intimate. How it's a intimately? friend. It's a friend. Not, no, just not call too it a friend. Intimate. A friend. You just said I was good. You put me on the spot. <laughs> well, no, I just feel like I always explain it, and then people are like, cool, what? Basically, we reach out to one of your friends and say, do you have a question or a funny story? Usually something that you might be able to elaborate on. Elaborate on. That I could elaborate yeah. on? Yeah. And Brad, this maybe is, we should just really get an edit of the way I explained it last time, because we're all blowing <laughs> This is a really easy... <laughs> so basically, I'm going to ask you a question that came from one of your friends. Okay. You can answer it, and then okay. you can guess which one of your so friends you already talked submitted it. Yeah. Okay. So I already talked to them. It's, it's an a inside, mystery. It's an inside job. This is a very... It's a mystery. This is a bit of a softball, this <laughs> one. Uh-oh. It's so a This is a softball? It's a lob. So it's probably Joe. What is... Oh, and by the way... When you guess, you win nothing. <laughs> this game we have, sucks. This game, does, this, game, this game does suck. I'm going to give you two. Wait, wait, Steve, can I give her a patch cable? There's like no, 25 No, I don't want it. It's just like I things? live in a closet. No. I don't want your patch cable. I'll, I can get you another beer. Yeah, that's fine. That would be tight. You have, you have two Good options. Good job, buddy. Um, the first one is top five pets slash animals you've met on tour. The second one is weirdest place... She has woken up. That's not a softball at all. Yeah. Weirdest place I've woken up. God, I sleep so much. (laughs) (laughs) Top five pets is like pretty much impossible for me because anytime I see something that's a fuzzy and cute, I'm really happy. Like, it doesn't have even have to be a pet. It can just be cute. <laughs> it could, it like could be an animal. Yeah, it could be Mogwai. Oh, my God. Like a little Italian car. If I saw Gizmo oh. right now. <laughs> Thanks, girl. Can you tell me what your thoughts are on, like, depictions of animals wearing clothes? Like, paintings and stuff of, like, dogs and, like, tuxedos. Paintings? and yeah. Can you guess what Benny's thoughts are on dogs? <laughs> yeah, I really like it. I, mean, I like it a lot. I, I have do. a dog who doesn't mind wearing clothing. Okay. Um What kind of dog? She's small and fluffy. A little fluffy. It's just small like dog. she's small and she's like a terrier. She's long, she's low. Loud? She barks when people come over, but she's quiet. Um she likes to lay in a butt crack because it's the nicest place to rest your head. Don't we all sounds nice. If you're her size. Yeah, that sounds nice. I think for the most part, for her, it seems really good. And then sometimes I can't sleep if she's not there. Um, anyway, her name's Little. She's perfect. Um, but what was the question? I'm sorry. I'm thinking uh, about Top little. five pets. Top oh, five pets. Or well, okay. So my my number one like recently changed. And it's a long and low dog that lives in Minot, North Dakota. Wow. 
And I want to say his name's Lenny, but I know it's not. I don't know his name because I'm always like screaming. Because <laughs> he's so cute. And then I I also really love Sweet Pete, who runs Let's Pretend Records. He had a cat named Peanut who went over the Rainbow Bridge. And she was really round and had a face that was like smiling all the time and cute. And she, when she meowed, it would just be like, because she couldn't do it. And so I really always loved her, and I still love her. Rest in peace, Peanut. Um, I'm trying, when you put me on the spot about pets, I'm just going to have a real time. There's so many nice pets. Do you think you have any idea where this question could have came from? And did you ever wake up (laughs) surrounded by five pets? Uh, (laughs) Only in a dream, it sounds sounds like. Who would ask such a question? Top five places. Who would ask me about all those pets? Gosh, I really don't know. It's a former guest on this podcast. I probably doesn't help. (laughs) I wish. I sincerely wish that it. Kenan Thompson. It's not Kenan Thompson. (laughs) I don't know. Bobby Moynihan. No, (laughs) not an SNL cast member. Bobby Moynihan. (laughs) You want to know who it is? Doyle. Was it? <laughs> it was. You are right. It was Lance. Really? Lance Banks. Oh, nice. Right. Mystery friend. Yes, I did it. it. You did it. You got it. it. But how did you get you got it? How is it that you guessed the, the you question? Pen, like okay, because you said SNL and then you said pets. <laughs> so I knew it was Lance. But how did you get Lance and not get either one of the questions? Where's where's the weirdest place you woke up? Because Lance knows that I love pets yeah, and he knows good. I love sleeping. Great. I want to know yeah, the weird place that. that you woke up. But though. Lance doesn't know the weirdest place I woke oh. up. He just knows <laughs> I love to sleep. Yeah, oh, he just and assumes he it doesn't. Existed. He doesn't sleep as much, so he probably just watched. Well, he probably doesn't watch me sleep. I think Lance got this but, all wrong. He thought. <laughs> <laughs> these are questions he wanted to answer. Yeah, these are probably questions. Yeah, yeah. He was probably just well. Curious. He just got a really nice dog. Did he? Yeah, it's so cute. It's like a little fluffy with a face, and his name's Champ. And um, he has like ears that are floppy. And it's well, you cute. better put Champ in the top five. I think for Lance. I haven't gotten the chance to meet Champ yet, but um, Lance knows that I really like dogs, and Lance definitely knows that I love sleeping, and he's really um, always been. Um, Really, when we hang out, he's always like, let's make sure you have time for your nap today. And and that is so nice. That is nice. That's a good friend. From a friend. And it's also, I mean, I'm not going to forget the fact that my life is so blessed. This is coming from someone who doesn't believe in God. <laughs> that I, big ups to the person who's not up there. Um, <laughs> that I get to take a nap every day is, is wonderful. Most days. Um but Lance knows I love to sleep. This, did you did you have a good time with Lance? Yeah, I was. A he's an time an, with Lance. He's, he's a, a real guy. angel. Very talented guy. Yeah, great, great person. Was he wearing a blue shirt? He's no. He's wearing that um, shining. Uh, that sweater oh, the shining with sweater. The carpet. Yeah, people love that fucking and sweater. Like people, sequins or something. No, it's, no, like it's the carpet that's from on the shining. carpet, like that orange brown. Uh, if we go out on the town, real and conversation bike, go out piece. on the town, which is, I mean, walk around in New York, people and usually young. White men will go, hey, man, <laughs> like your sweater. And Lance goes, yep. <laughs> to illustrate, there was like kind of a semi-John Wayne-y finger point yes. that went with that, like a hey, man. Oh, yeah. It's very it's very much like. <laughs> What's up? Yeah. Because like a- <laughs> when I saw that sweater, I was just like, 
That's a cool sweater. That's what I thought. Do you think and that's I've seen like The Shining. The yeah. modern East Coast version of like a, hey man, nice sweater, like a tip of the cap. <laughs> like a Ronald kinda. Reagan. Yeah, yeah like maybe a, like one of these guys. Howdy yeah. there. Hey. Great, great sweater. Great textile. <laughs> we, I, Lance and I have had nice New York moments. We went to the, uh, uh, we went to the, I think it was TGI Fridays in Times Square. Must visit it. Oh, <laughs> totally. Oh, that's heard, a must see spot. <laughs> what don't they have? It's like it's like you walk in and you think, wow. You just think here I am New in the York thick City. of it all. Here I am in the Big Apple, New York City. TGI Fridays. Here I am at TGI. We thought it would be funny, and it was the whole time. It was funny. Awesome. But you know what? I've never been to TGI Fridays. And nah. it's not that bad. Like, there are all kinds of reasons why it's bad. Don't get me wrong. But the food. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, it's it's right. fine. It's fine. It's right. Yeah, it's fine. I didn't like. I really don't mind. My, like, anus didn't prolapse no, or no, anything. No. It's fine. I'm sorry. Is that too much for <laughs> No, that's podcast? good. No, no, it is good. <laughs> Maybe they'll advertise with us. We used to go. The, the guitar player. That's okay. That could be the their guitar line. player from Midtown's little brother. <gasps> Tyler? No, the other. Heath, Heath Saracino's right little now? brother, Mike Saracino, worked at the TGA Fridays on, Route on the Somerville Circle. Stop! I'm going to lose so that's why we used to uh, we used to frequent it. I think wow. there was a I think lot we got some we Fridays got some wedges. Parties. We got some wedges. Yeah, with that crew, couple that, wedges. That Jersey crew. There was a lot of Fridays. Parties. I never had much to eat there. I've Wait, been a vegetarian who else did you guys since hang I was with? You know, besides yeah. Midtown, I had a lot well, of Tyler. Me and Tyler from Midtown played little league baseball together, and we used to sing MC Hammer lyrics. And then I taught him about punk rock. He might, and he what might, did he say? He might not agree. He was listening to Cat Stevens in the Doors when I met him. Yeah, yeah, well. yeah. And he had a twelve-string acoustic. That's he cool. he was he was down a path, and I think <laughs> I think I helped alter this path. The twelve-string is a real commitment for a little guy. Listen, <laughs> you know, if if your parents will buy you a twelve-string, get a twelve-string, man. Yes, I can get a twelve-string. Yeah. <laughs> how that. many strings can we go up to? I think I was only allowed like three. Yeah, that's what my parents could swing. It's about a three string, <laughs> something like that. That's yeah, tight. that's how you got drums. But I, each on a separate neck. <laughs> got it's it. very, it's got only it. in Central <laughs> Jersey. They do this. I don't know if you guys have seen this. Wait, can you tell me about what your favorite grease truck sandwich is, please? Actually, or if you don't, are you a grease truck fan? I um, used to catch the bus at Rutgers in front of the grease trucks. Mm-hmm. The old College Ave bus. Yeah. The mm-hmm. du- the doubly, e. I never talk shit on the grease trucks. What campus were you on at Rutgers? I was a Mason Gross student. Okay, so we don't have a campus. No campus, and we can kind of bounce Just- around wherever. The first year I lived on Douglas, and I hated it because it's kind of far from this quote unquote city. Mm-hmm. And by far, I mean like four about a blocks. mile. Yeah. <laughs> Not even about three but, quarters. You know, of a mile. like yeah. uh, all the shows but have been like in downtown. To be fair, the between Douglas campus and downtown New Brunswick can be a little bit of a tough walk. Yeah. You don't want to do that walk I by mean, yourself. Maybe now. It's a little nicer now, but probably not. Everything's kind of the same. I was just yeah. there the other day. Uh, there's a surf taco in New Brunswick now. Yeah, I would I saw say that. that. That stuff's weird. Like, beyond, like, Devco, like, gentrifying, like, making every effort that they can to gentrify New Brunswick and, like, yeah. knock down any kind of institution that mm-hmm. is not within their lines of, like, within their, like, profit margin or exactly. whatever, you know. 
uh, even, gets knocked down. And so, yeah, that, even the reason the court tavern is still there is because that's still there. It's there, it but is. it's yeah. because like one of the largest realty groups in New Brunswick yeah. owns it. And that's the only reason they were able to stay put. I mean, credit to them for there? like keeping it there. And ke- it actually just reopened. Yeah. And I believe Chris Pierce is, mm-hmm. uh, is booking yeah. Chris Pierce Chris and Doc Hopper. Do shows. Wow. Yeah. And so, uh, I mean, I love New Brunswick with all my heart. I mean, New Brunswick and the shows that happened in New Brunswick definitely like saved my life to some degree. It's just Same. like, I'm from New Jersey. And even though I live really close to New York, it's it's not really like monetarily feasible for me to to come here every night and like see a show. And so when I lit when I lived in the most densely populated state in the country, it's like you know like I want to be able to like walk down the street in my college town and see a show. Like every other college town, literally every other yeah, college town, every other one has a place where they can walk down the street to their like. Cult, arts and cultural center and they can see a show and like New Brunswick's got to make it hard it's Always it's either it it's it's either Defco or it's or it's the city of New Brunswick or it's Rutgers they just like don't want to like give in to yeah. or, I don't know give in's not the right word but like no, kind it's of true. like it, it is given it's been it's honestly it's and it's been the same thing for like I mean I started going to New Brunswick basement shows in like 90 Four. Yeah. I hate saying that because of my age. And it was no. the same exact thing. And the only houses even then that could exist for more than a couple semesters <laughs> were the ones, I mean, right in the middle of the hood where, like, no one gave a shit about what was going but on. But it's also there. just, it's stupid because no, no one who's going to the punk show in New Brunswick <clears throat> is doing something that is, like, egregiously wrong. Like, exactly. It's, if, it's you, nothing that could ever supersede the horrors that are happening at fraternities exactly. and sororities like exactly. the people on those on that you know in those frats and sororities they're doing things to each other that are like so like objectively awful and, and literally like every year in new brunswick some frat kid dies yeah from some and, the, from and some like there's incident. no there's no uh, one kid n- has died at a punk no show. one's overseeing that practice yeah but like the cops will come to punk shows and throw yeah. like smoke bombs into the basement yep. and arrest people and it's just like these people are actually consciously trying to cultivate community and the fact that you are trying to stop them from doing that is actually insane on paper like it makes no sense i mean the sense it makes and it's always made is like they've never found a way to 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 monetize underground music in new brunswick and like the frat houses pay they pay a tax these rich parents from all around pay good money for tuition at this college and sure, like but my parents paid good money for well, tuition it's know, also like but i never went to Rutgers. yeah and i was sitting in those basements fucking up that town like i yeah. went to Rutgers. you know what i mean but and i'm sure a ton of people at the frat parties it, are too exactly and then like my friends who are into horrible things would would go to into those hor- places my friends who are into horrible things. would go into those horrible places <laughs> but uh it's like before i lived in new brunswick there were a bunch of bars there was melody and sure. and uh so but again melody but, was in like it was in that part of town that Robert Wood Johnson, Johnson and Johnson and Rutgers yeah. hadn't gotten their claws into yet, you know? And now that's the entire town. I mean, yeah. I I can I can see that, but like as somebody who's 
I mean, I haven't been a student for 10 years, but I did, like, that's where I lived. Yeah. Even as a student. Like, I wasn't, there was no part of my, uh, I wasn't afraid of that area. Like, I, I would have gone anywhere there was a show. And, there, like, um, there, there's no reason, if, if money is the issue for New Brunswick, like, there's no reason that they couldn't capitalize upon that. Not that I'm saying that's the reason that you should have shows in your town. That's absolutely not the reason. I mean, it's the only reason but that's they why convince it's, a town. That's what Exactly, sucks. but that's why it's so mind-boggling to me is yeah. because, like, if money is their bottom line, which I'm sure it is, you could have a totally viable, successful venue in the yeah. middle of New Jersey. There's no reason why you couldn't. And it would do such a service to so many people, especially if you had an all-ages venue that was yeah. accessible to, to people who were living in New Jersey, like, I would have cut out my appendix to been, <laughs> to to be able to go to, like, an all-ages show in high school. And um, I, w- I wish that a city like New Brunswick would kind of, like, do that for kids, but... Uh, and what sucks... They was, don't want to. They want to no, have... they don't want to. And it would have to be the city. I mean, I even had yeah. friends, you know, a guy named Chris Ross who used to run shows at 67 Handy Street and then the Melody Bar for, for many, many years. Like, him and a couple of people were looking into, like, opening a venue in New Brunswick at some point and, like, seeing what it would take oh. and this and that. Yeah, the property unless, taxes are f- Unless they were crazy. bankrolled by someone willing to write a check for, like, a $10 million insurance yeah, plan no or way. some crazy thing. It was just an absolute impossibility. That's insane. Because so, growing up in Ohio, I thought, like, Lifetime was playing every weekend there. And it was, like, some kind of... <laughs> I did go to a Lifetime show in New Brunswick, but it was only because <laughs> Fish asked me to bring a box fan over. Oh, yeah? That's pretty cool. I, I don't know anything about that band and fish just said it's hot can you bring a fan his, <laughs> of, his name's john but so i brought a fan over nice and then i left around? no i don't know anything about their band yeah are they good i think they're really good uh, they have two really good records which ones um jersey's best dancers and okay. hello, hello bastards. bastards those are the two doesn't matter. You're heard, not you're not into the new age records i listened to one where like there's a Different. sad person in a sweater yeah, that, and they're like crouching, and I thought I didn't like that very much. That's the new age record. I was a big fan of the early. Yeah, that was the early, early stuff. Seven. Different it's, vibe I, before they went the early really fast. Yeah, it's before yeah. they went. Oh, super but then fast. it was fast. Oh, very fast. Yeah, that's me. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Um, yeah very, so yeah, very I brought fast. the fan over, and then I, I thought maybe I should go home and watch Gilmore Girls. <laughs> Wait, well, this records all, are easy to like. This was all leading up to me finding out what your favorite grease truck sandwich is. Mm. Which I, w- I need to know. I never really bought one on my own. I would always... So bands would come when the boys and I would throw shows. Bands would come and they'd be like, we're here and it runs like I want to eat that trucks. nasty sandwich you guys got. And I was like, okay, I don't really want to go there because I'm a, a gay woman and I, I feel bad there. Like someone's going to... um punch me in the face fair enough and <laughs> pretty pretty wild so, down there after a certain I, time yeah uh, especially we after midnight it's like really yeah. scary yeah it's um, pretty wild but so um we would i after i had three beers i was like yeah they can punch me it's fine i'll kill them <laughs> and so uh i would always we would always walk bands down a couple blocks or whatever go to the trucks uh and 
I've been vegetarian the entire time I was in college, and yeah. I don't want to say what the sandwich was called because it is wholly inappropriate oh, and but totally wait, fucked up. Can I guess? Because I think it might be my favorite one, too. I'm not going to say the name, though, but does it have falafel and yes. mozzarella sticks and french fries yeah, on it? It okay. does. It is the greatest sandwich in New Brunswick. And <laughs> the Grease Chucks have yeah. actually Benny since moved. I do and there's been this great migration. Like, they're all over the place now, and I've seen some really sad-looking guys who operate the grease trucks kind of just like lamenting about the back the of their truck days. because they think they just don't get the same business and of this is don't. another um kind of this is this is what gentrification it does is. it's no, really it like, they got rid of the grease trucks which is crazy that i'm lamenting the grease <laughs> trucks yeah. which was like this like hotbed for like just the the, the lunacy this like drunken like homophobic like gross growy lunacy just like guys punching each other in the face for no reason just like you get in a fight you eat a disgusting sandwich yeah and like i'm just (laughs) like bemoaning i'm not even a gay man and just by looking (laughs) the way i looked i got called the f word quite a few times like it's not safe It's not. I think it's I got called um, the F word with a girlfriend. Oh, yeah. Like holding yeah. hands with a girlfriend. Oh, it's probably because you were holding hands. Probably. Yeah, that was, my, that was what did it. Wrong my, <laughs> my contribution with, to that will be I offered a grease truck operator. Um, I was like with my girlfriend and not my, my friend who also happened to identify as a woman. I was like, if we make out, can we have free french fries? And he was like, no. No. And I was like, damn, you're really leveling the playing field right now. That's true. But um, I think I, what I really enjoyed about the grease trucks is just that they were infamous and that made bands want to come to my town. And that's all I cared about. Like, yeah, it's like so amazing food yeah but it's kind also of amazingly like culturally unique that's the that is yeah, the sad thing sucks. about gentrification is <laughs> that's like, the only place yeah in, America, like, in the world you can that clean has a block that. up and you can put a new building and yes like you know a hundred people got jobs building it and x people got jobs once this building was up and i understand like the economic side to things but like that building can exist anywhere yeah, like, like the they knocked us down and put up a surf taco in some place called Honey Grove. In Grow. one place, like, <laughs> like it was the most like wholly unique New Jersey yeah. experience oh. to go and it to was like horrible. the trucks. And it was so scary, and but I it was still it. unique to New Brunswick, and people came there to play punk shows like down the street, and then to go and eat, eat a disgusting trucks. sandwich and yeah. be like horrified <laughs> by the bad people who would also want a sandwich and, and you're feeling next day your stomach the next day i have only ever eaten half of one and it was oh. so good it's so good <laughs> it was so good i want one right now <laughs> I just wanted to give a quick shout out to Evan Moore and Linda Everswick, who are responsible for the Mystery Friend theme that you heard debuting this week. Thank you to Marissa from Screaming Females. Check out their seventh studio album, All at Once, out February 23rd on Don Giovanni Records. Don Giovanni, your Um, old pal. My old pal. (laughs) Shout out to Zach Gajewski and Joe. 
And uh, Brad, where did we record this episode again? Of course, we recorded it at Pulse Music, West 29th Street in New York City. Available now to you for voiceover work, record your band, have Stephen Grewalski record a intro music for your famous podcast. Or if you want to talk about the Grateful Dead, just uh, you can probably book <laughs> Steve by the hour. Just ask all your dead-related questions. <laughs> yeah. And drink a beer with him. He does. He does like the dead. Yeah. But he likes good music too, though. Oh. <laughs> Uh, tough burn. Uh, if you if you uh, if you want to support this podcast, how can you do it? Is probably what you're wondering right now. Yeah, I'm I, wondering if I wanted to give you like a bunch of money and get maybe some cool stuff in return, like you know maybe like hear some like outtakes that you don't make available to the public. Yeah, uh, so or like some bonus episodes or maybe get the podcast a little early. Oh, I'd love to get it like Sunday morning when I right? get up to do my run. Yeah, Brad, I have good news for you. <laughs> really? Yes. There's a website I don't know how to pronounce <laughs> called Patreon. I think it's Patreon.com. Pr- Patreon.com. Yes. Patreon. Slash going off track. If you go to Patreon.com slash going off track, uh, you can uh, support this podcast. Um, all the stuff that Brad was wishing for, you will actually receive. <laughs> so we have outtakes, early episodes, but we just recorded a bonus episode right. just for our patrons uh, last night. There's some video stuff that you can't get unless you're a patron. Video stuff, and we're working on merch. And uh, and if you're a patron, um, you have exclusive kind of like, you have a direct channel to us as well. This is true. So please send us a message if you're a patron. Say like, hey, I'd like this. I'd like this. We're happy to, to work and we, we're kind of figuring this out as it goes, too. This is kind of a new model. So if there's something you're interested in, let us know. We can probably do it. Yeah. Um, there's also links on our website, goingofftrack.com. You can also, uh, if you just rather give us a one-off, Venmo, venmo.com slash offtrack. You can give us whatever you want. A buck, yes. two bucks, a hundred dollars, whatever you're comfortable with. Whatever you're comfortable with. You know, maybe you're like a Wall Street guy. You got an extra million dollars laying around. Just Venmo it to me. Yeah, maybe you have a good day. In I'll the, definitely share it with the you. Have a good day in the cryptocurrency market. Yeah, maybe take a couple of those books. Throw <laughs> it our way. Can we accept bitcoins? Sure, I don't know, but we could figure out a way. We'll to figure do it, it out. Um, <laughs> if 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 uh, if money's tight, we get that too, obviously. So uh, you can also leave us a nice review on iTunes. Um, you can tweet at us. Uh, I recently got hooked up with a coffee because of the podcast. Very nice. So. Uh, yeah, anything like that. It's always nice to know people are listening. So we appreciate it. Um, and yeah, check out the Screen Females. Check out Pulse Music. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Going Off Track. Yeah!